Inspiration now in session. Inspire guys, people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People. There are double standards everywhere in this world. Please believe it. It's interesting to me, to be honest. And I feel like it's something that you just have to deal with. So my approach to double standards is really like not even about complaining about them or tripping about them. It's more about understanding them. And then looking at the psychology behind them, you know what I'm saying? And trying to break them down. And I'm talking about in simple areas of life. Like you don't even have to get deep to like look at double standards. You feel me? All right. Something simple that I noticed some years back. I don't even remember how long ago this was. I was probably in college or something like that. So I was looking at a CD, right? You know, CDs, compact disc. Those don't exist too much anymore. It's kind of interesting. You got cars that's just coming with Bluetooth now. All the new cars, I'm not going to say all of them, but the last couple of new cars that I have seen don't even have CD players anymore. It's like they're coming standard, you know, with all the wireless and digital, hook up your phone and YouTube, your music and Spotify and iTunes and all that. By the way, Check out J Will Music on all of those musical outlets where you can listen to my music in your car. Thank you. Now back to me talking again. All right. So I'm looking at the back of a Sony music CD, right? Like Sony Music Entertainment. They have a record label and they own a lot of record labels. One of the interesting things about business, the more you dig into things, you realize that there are parent companies that own a lot of the other companies that you know about. Like, for instance, a random one that comes to mind is Disney owns ESPN. So all of us who watch sports all the time, like you are low key supporting Disney, whether it's direct or indirect, whether you want to or not, they own that. You know what I mean? Uh, Viacom is a huge company that owns like just about all media. Like <laughs> you can look at all the little TV stations. From Nick Jr. to whatever, I'm not going to start naming them because I'm probably going to name one of the wrong ones and somebody going to email me like, Jermaine, <laughs> you said that Viacom owned Nick Jr. I would like you to know that that's wrong. People love to tell you when you wrong. Double standard because they don't like to tell you when you right. You know what I'm saying? Hit me up when I'm right. Email me and tell me, <laughs> Jermaine. I would just like you to know that you were right about that one. So anyway, you get the picture. RCA Records, Columbia Records, um, all these other record companies. You can look it up. Sony Music Entertainment owns them. No problem. Nothing wrong with that. Do what you do. It's really just about branding and positioning. You know what I'm saying? So they'll start RCA Inspiration because they want to sign artists that are quote unquote inspirational. You know what I'm saying? 
and have them going through that medium. Then they may have, you know, they have a Latin label where, of course, I'm assuming that's going to be geared towards Latin branded music, so on and so forth. So what am I saying? What's the point? What you talking about, Jay? Can you get to it? I'm tired. I'm driving. I want to get to the point. All right, I got you. Calm down. You look on the back of those CDs and they have a piracy notice. You know what I mean? Like this is a warning basically telling you, threatening you that if you burn this CD, if you make an illegal copy of this CD, you can go to prison. You could be fine, whatever, whatever. I'm sure those are still on there. I don't have any recent CDs, but you look on the back of it. You have a warning that you can get in trouble if you illegally duplicate this CD. I don't have a problem with that. Do you? Sony hasn't done anything wrong yet. Like, what's the big deal, Jay? What are you talking about a double standard? They don't want you making duplication copies of their music. Okay? Just follow the rules, guy. I got a problem, people, because I found myself one day looking around. I think I was in Best Buy and I came across something. I was looking at CD burners, right? CD duplication devices and machines. And you know what I came across? Sony has a CD burner. So I'm like, wait a minute, pause. You got a record label and you're forbidding me to do something. Like, yo, you should not ever burn CDs. Then as I'm walking around, minding my business and Best Buy just, Okay, that's a weird whistle. So I'm perplexed at this point because I'm like, how does the same person that's telling me not to burn a CD sell CD burners? So, so I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me, right? Oh, but wait, there's more. As I'm proceeding to look around the store and I'm like, okay, let's say I could afford this CD burner and I was gonna buy it to go back and burn some CDs, which I didn't do. I'm innocent in order to burn some cds i have to have some blank cds right like i can't burn cds without having blank cds so i go and look into the blank cd section and what do i come across sony also makes blank cds specifically so that you can burn cds all right i need y'all to follow me on something it's just interesting to me that Sony can tell me not to burn a CD and then literally provide me with every single thing I need in order to accomplish the criminal act of burning music. So it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to send me to prison. You're going to find me when I'm using your product to burn your product. Is it really stealing? If I take a blank Sony CD, put it in a Sony duplicator, and then duplicate Sony albums, isn't that just transferring files? All right, I'm joking. I don't want anybody to get in trouble out there because they start some duplication business. The point that I'm making is that whether it be in small ways or big ways, double standards exist. They're there. And I just like to analyze things Use them kind of as a case study because I want to understand why are people like this? Why are companies like this? Why are people 
telling you not to do something and then providing you everything you need in order to do the exact thing they told you not to do. It's very, very interesting to me. But that's not it. Double standards are even in our banking system. The dynamic of loaning money and borrowing money is a very inconsistent cycle from the standpoint of the banks. I'll give you an example. Let's say you want to put $10,000 into a bank account and you want to go to a major bank. You know what I mean? You just got a lump sum of money and you're like, okay, I'm going to do right by this money. I'm going to put it in a savings account. The way I view it is this way. When I take money and put it into an account at a bank, I'm letting the bank borrow my money. I'm literally giving the bank a loan because when you go to a bank and you deposit money, then they're recirculating that money through their system. You know what I'm saying? Banks wouldn't have money if we didn't give them money. So they're literally borrowing money from us. But here's where the double standard kind of comes in. If I put $10,000 into a major bank, you know, in the U.S., the national average um, for interest rates on a savings account is like, it's less than 1%. It's like 0.09%. Do you know what that means? That means if I loan a bank $10,000 for one year, at the end of the year, the average bank is going to give me an interest check of $9. What? You only value my $10,000 at 0.09%, right? Here's the crazy part. Let's reverse this. Let's say you go to that same exact bank and you want them to give you $10,000. You're like, yo, let me get $10,000. What I find very interesting is that if you go and let's say you're getting this loan for a car, a new car doesn't cost $10,000, but I'm just using these numbers so you can kind of, you know, see what the averages are. Okay, so the average on a new car loan five years, $10,000, your interest rate is going to be 4.77%. What that bank is telling you is, oh yeah, if you want this 10,000 from me, the same exact 10,000 that when you loaned it to me, I only gave you nine bucks for the year, 0.09%. Yeah. If I turn around and give you that same $10,000, if you want to borrow from me, we gonna slap a price of 4.77% on there. That means you're gonna pay me on average $477 a year. Isn't that a double standard? Now, please understand this about why I'm having this conversation. I'm not having this conversation to get you all emotional, to get you all upset or anything like that. I'm having this conversation because I think it's important that we understand how these systems work and then maybe, just maybe, we can operate better in them if we understand, you know, what's going on and how the game is being played. I think too many times we're at a disadvantage and we don't even look at our money as that valuable. Like, wait a minute, I'm loaning you money too. And so when you don't have the literacy financially, then you make, you know, let's say less educated decisions you know, and moves with your money when you don't know how the game is being played. So that's all we doing right now. I, w I don't want you to be upset. I don't want you to go crazy and be emotional. And that don't make no sense. I ain't putting my money in no bank. That's why I keep all my money 
under the mattress. Now, hey, if you got a little money in your crib, I'm not saying don't do that. But we're going to talk about some better ways, you know what I'm saying? Because under the mattress don't even get you to $9. That's no interest. You feel what I'm saying? And again, I'm not saying you don't need a little stash for yourself to get by, you know what I'm saying, if stuff go down in the world. But at the end of the day, we just want to use the banking system a little better than we may have in the past. All right? Just making sure we're on the same page. Okay, so now let's be fair. Because some people are going to say, Jay, that's not a double standard because... It's a difference between when you take a loan out from the bank, that's five years. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you put money in a savings account, there's no binding contract that says it's going to be there five years. So yeah, they're giving you a lower interest rate because you don't have that five-year agreement in place. You know what I'm saying? So that's not really a double standard. All right. That's cool. You got me. You won that round, buddy. But I got something for you. How about in that situation, let's now look at how does the bank view interest rates for CDs, certificates of deposits. Specifically, right now, the national average for a five-year CD is 1.49%. Okay, cool. So this is now apples to apples. This is me saying to you, bank, I'm going in an agreement where I'm going to loan you this money for five years, like this is yours, it's going to sit there, and you're going to pay me interest on that money. But wait a minute. My five-year contract is only worth 1.49%. Okay, that's a lot better than 0.09%. I'll take the 1.4, but at the same time, there's still a huge gap between that 1.49% and that 4.77% that they're valuing their money at. You get what I'm saying? And this is just how things work in the world. There are double standards out there that you got to be aware of so that you can move. You know what I'm saying? Like you can make different moves financially and you can be educated and say, okay, cool. Since I know this is how this goes, maybe I'm going to find a better bank. So um, this is actually a really dope resource that I use all the time for banking and finances. And it's called depositaccounts.com. It's actually by Lending Tree. Lending Tree, what's up? Can a brother get like a sponsorship or something? Can you pay me to be talking about your business, cut? But it's not about that. I just want to be able to bring value to this show and the listeners and give you all tangible things that you can walk away from. So, depositaccounts.com. Here's one thing we can look at on there. If you just go to savings accounts, what I really like about this website is you can actually see, you know, interest rates from just about every bank that I've ever heard of in the world. And you'll quickly learn that these brick and mortar banks that we're seeing every day up and down the street and we're putting our money in those, those are not always the best situations and decisions that we're making. But because they're visible and they're there, that's where we sit our money and we make no interest. Here's the good thing. There are better ways to make more interest off of the money that you put in a bank. No, you're not going to hit those exact same rates as the bank itself. But I'm telling you, if you check out high yield savings accounts, online uh, savings accounts in general are really good. But check out depositaccounts.com and you can see these interest rates on there. Again, depositaccounts.com, if you're listening, uh, you know, can I get some sponsorship dollars? I've said your name like three times on this show. People are using it, they're clicking the site, they're doing their thing, and yet 
I'm still getting nothing from you. Oh, what a double standard that is. I really just want to inspire God's people. Like when I say that, I mean that. And that's spiritually, financially, and it's not about making a lot of money. Like if you listen to this show, you know, we're not talking about amounts. We're talking about principles. So this could work if you have $100. I want you to go in there and look at banks where you can sit your money and you can make better decisions and we could be wise with what we're doing, right? Pass on more money to your children. You know, um, maybe because you're making more interest off saving, you don't have to borrow as much from a bank and go into that hole. And again, everyone's life is different. Everyone's situation is different. I know that we got millionaires listening to this show. We might have some billionaires. We might have some thousandaires, some dollarnaires, and some centenaires. But whatever you are, I love you. It's not about the amount to me. It's just about understanding financial literacy. And these are very small steps. So some of y'all might be some geniuses out there. And you're like, I'm above that, Jay. I already have been on that site, I tell you. Well, you know what? God bless you and I love you. Please keep listening. Please keep listening. Please keep listening. Please keep listening. Just to be close to you. Man, what? Man, what? Man, what? Is my desire. First of all, Man, would you is that is that a gospel or R and B song? First of all, That's Fred Hammond, man, man, don't come here singing no gospel songs to my being close to somebody. Your wife ain't in this studio right I now. I wasn't bruh. talking about you. I know man. you weren't talking about me, but I'm just saying. I bruh. was talking about Jesus. Listen, man. Yes, I was talking about the Lord. You know what? You about to get kicked out. This is gonna be the quickest time you ever got kicked out <laughs> in your life. What up, man? What's up, my brother? Man, I'm telling you, man, I have really been enjoying the show, man. Especially, like, the parts that you're not in. Like, it's awesome, like, you know what? just hearing, like, the vocals, like, your brother and, you know, Right when artists. I was about to say thank you. Oh, right man. when I was about to say thank you. First of all, you come in here with this churchy song mm-hmm. about being close to the Lord. Yes, yeah. And I didn't know if it was gospel or R&B. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if, if, you, if, it, if it was R&B I was going to make it churchy done. You and your wife go to the show every other week Y'all have more <laughs> dates than anybody I know man Y'all always on a date Goodness dude What's this up man what's awesome, going on man. The uh, the cable people had to go to my mother's house to do something She had to work so I was off so I went to her house And while the guy was fixing the cable um, She had this little stand That she wanted me to put together This little uh, rack, rack or whatever So I opened it up and it was very It was a very simple looking rack right i was like oh cool okay. there wasn't that many parts to it i like, bet so i opened it up and i started putting it together i'm doing it good man oh man it's looking good and i get a little over halfway finished with it and realize oops there's supposed <laughs> to be a shelf in the middle there <laughs> so i had to take it all the way back apart and you know what i had to do what's that i had to pull out the directions wow the instructions right so, as I was sitting there looking at the instructions, I was like, wow, if I had these in the first place, I wouldn't have made this mistake and had to redo this over oh, again. Man. Right? Very simple, but there was one little thing in the middle that I forgot to do because I did not look at the instructions. So, as I was doing that, I thought to myself, wow, God has given us an instruction manual. And most times, we try to do our life without the instruction manual. Deep conversation. 
Yes, sir. My brother. Well, I want to go back to the beginning of this. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Did you say it looked simple? Oh, definitely. That's what's interesting to me. Because a lot of times we overestimate our abilities mm. by looking at things and thinking like, oh, I don't need God for this. Like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need the instructions for this one. Like, I-, I got this one figured out. But when you get into the work, ah, and here's the thing. This is what you actually thought you did it right. You were all <laughs> the way finished uh-huh. and thought like, oh, I'm killing this. I'm doing my thing out here. And by the time you were done, you realized that I got to now go back and start over and do this all over again. And I'm going to tell you, one of the toughest things to do in life is to have to start over. Mm -hmm. Every time that I've messed up in life, like a major mistake, Mm -hmm. there's some type of transition and moment of going back to the basics and starting over. And one of the things that is so frustrating about that is the time you lost mm-hmm. when you did it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You can never get that mm-hmm. time back, bro. And I get it back. It's gone forever. And that's how it was with me. While the guy was working on the cable, I thought I was going to put this thing together. You realize he left and I still was working on it. So this guy fixed cable faster <laughs> than you can create a little shelf. Exactly. I mean, this guy was like, he went out on the back pole and all of that. But like you said, because I didn't follow the instructions, didn't even look at them, I made a decision that I could do it because I looked on the box and the way they had it on the box, it looked, oh, that's super simple. And I can do it. I don't need the instructions. I can just do it. You know what? Sometimes it's like we got to stop looking at the pictures on the box. And to me, the pictures on the box can be anything. It could be TV, media, other people's lives, uh-huh. right? You can, you can be looking at something because here's the thing about the picture on the box. It doesn't give you any perspective, right? It's just a snapshot without any real detail. And it's at one angle. Right. And a lot of times when we're looking at other people's lives mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. you're looking at their life at a certain moment in time. From a certain point of view, it's their best day. Right. They just got their check. Those shoes <laughs> new. You know uh-huh, what I'm saying? Uh-huh, like uh-huh. a lot of times when we see people, we don't really know them. Mm-hmm. We don't know their flaws. We don't know how they really are when they let their guard down. But we are comparing ourselves to people in a moment mm-hmm. without the perspective of who they really are. Mm-hmm. And not to even say that they're not a great person. Right. But we should always be striving to be the best version of who God created us to be, not the best version of who he created someone else to be. And I think just from talking to people, Mm -hmm. um, even at times in my own life, having those types of struggles where you allow yourself to start comparing and contrasting. Mm -hmm. And I always say it's never good to do that because it does one of two things. Either you're comparing yourself to someone and you're looking down on them and elevating yourself, Mm -hmm. which is not good. Mm -hmm. Or you're comparing yourself to someone and you're elevating them and putting them on a pedestal and demeaning yourself. Yeah. And that's also not good. Yeah. Pictures on the box. The picture on the box or the snapshot never shows you the process. Mm. 
I was trying to find a way to work that word here too. It doesn't show you what you have to go through to get what's on the box. It just shows you what it's going to look like in the end. Man. And so because you're trying to base your life on a snapshot of something, mm-hmm. you also want it quicker. Right. And so it's like, I just want to hurry up and get this little shelf that I'm putting together. Right. What was interesting to me about you is you put together a shelf but forgot the shelf. <laughs> like, I don't, what do you even call that without the shelf in it? Just a stand? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My man put together a shelf without the shelf, man. I'm praying for you on that, bro. That's kind of deep in and of itself, man. That's a whole different con- conversation. Ah, man. You know, I'm, I'm about to date myself here. But there used to be, okay, because I, I know a lot of your audience is younger okay. people. So there, there used to be, okay, listen, ladies and gentlemen, there used to be this thing out back in the day called a VCR, a video cassette recorder. What? This was, be, don't do that. You, <laughs> the, the, this was before the Blu-ray player or actually before the DVD, DVD player, right? It was a VCR, right? So now, the reason I bring this up is because... Well, I guess I could have used the DVR also, but they're a little more simple. So my example works better with the VCR. So you remember VCR, right, Jay? I do remember VCR. Right. You had this video cassette. You would put it in. Now, for the most part, you knew how to press power to turn it on. You had the little remote control, so you knew how to press play, stop. Three buttons. Fast forward, rewind, right? Four, and five buttons. No, not, yeah, exactly. Just a few things. But guess what else a VCR could do? A VCR could actually record your TV program while you were out of time. Mm. Now, there was no way I knew that at the time because I never looked at the manual. Wow. Now, the, the thing about the manual is that the person who wrote the manual is the same person who created the machine. That's dope. Because... I was just talking to Tiff yesterday. We're thinking about upgrading our phones, which is always frustrating to me because mm. phones just cost too much now. Yeah. And the, and the, every, new, right, every, the yeah. new phone just do one extra thing. <laughs> like, oh, you can flush this one down the toilet. It's like, well, I don't want to flush my phone down the toilet. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I was talking to her and I was like, it's crazy how much these phones do mm-hmm. that we don't even tap into that power. Right. And so like you saying... When you start reading the manual and really looking into things, then you might have more than you even thought you had. And even in thinking about that, in reading God's word and finding our identity, right? Because we're, you're talking about putting something together and trying to figure out what it's supposed to be when Mm -hmm. it's finished. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just makes me think about identity, trying to piece my life together to become what God wants the finished product to be. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if that is my goal, right? If that's the ultimate thing that I'm trying to do, then I want to make sure I'm in his word mm-hmm. so that I'm maximizing everything that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Cause like that phone, like the phone or the shelf, I don't want to get through this life and look back and be like, wow. Yeah. Yep. I'm missing the shelf. Mm-hmm. There was something more that God had created me to do Mm. 
uh, something else that he called me to do, and I missed it because I was just looking at the picture on the box. You know, when you look at at the first man, Adam, when God God created him, you know, you realize when God created him, Adam still had to grow into the person he was going to become. And Adam didn't have a Bible, but he had direct access right. to the manufacturer. Wow. He had direct, the Bible says that God will come down and talk to him in the cool of the day. So any issues or anything Adam had, he could literally talk to, to God. Now, I can't, I don't know Mr. Sony. Right. You know, I don't know Mr. Toshiba. <laughs> So I can't call them directly. I don't know why Toshiba is just <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Toshiba. But Mr. Toshiba had the foresight to have a manual put in to his products that lets me know everything wow. that his product can do. And we have a direct communication with God, but we also have the manual. We have his word. And that's why his word says, and it was something you said earlier about, about seeking God. And it, it says this, and this is a very familiar passage. People will probably be able to quote it with me, but Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, understanding. in all your ways, acknowledge him and he, he shall, shall direct, direct your, your paths. It, notice it didn't say in some of your ways. Okay, well, Jay, the things that you already know about, just go ahead and do those your in way. Nine out of ten of your ways. Right. <laughs> right. But it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything. I'm sure that you probably could do a whole show on what it took for you to build this show. Man. Like, how much did you have to seek God? How much did you have to talk to God? How much did you have to read the manual to figure out what it was God wanted this to be? You know what I realized? That is, that's a great word. Because what I've learned is that, number one, God's word is his word. Mm -hmm. Right? So sometimes people get frustrated because they might hear someone else talk about how they hear from God. And it's like, why well, I don't hear from God? It's like, well, mm -hmm. that's his word right there. That's him talking. Like exactly. you want That's God. Like you said, <laughs> hey, if I can't pick up the phone and call Mr. Toshiba, mm -hmm. but I have this manual, like, hey, that's that's his word. That's it, his word. If he didn't write it, it was inspired by him. Right. Like he he approved it. And mm -hmm. so at the end of the day, I think it's so important first to recognize God's word as him actually talking mm -hmm. and speaking and value it that way. Mm -hmm. And know that we actually have that in our lives. Like you have this access to knowing what God wants from you and requires of you. But you have to be willing to submit to him and actually read it. And mm -hmm. I think when it comes back to him directing our paths and all of our paths, what I learned and my point that I was going to make was that when you're talking to God all the time, mm -hmm. you might not even have to come back for something specific. So you talked about building this show. Mm -hmm. It was a process. Yes. But it was a, a daily process that started before the show ever came into place. Uh -huh. You get what I'm saying? Uh -huh. And so it wasn't necessarily as much about coming to God and saying, Lord, 
what you want me to do with a show. It was through my daily meditating in the word, daily growing in all these areas, things start coming together and making sense. All things start working together. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I was doing the um, the album was done first, mm-hmm. Inspire God's People. Mm-hmm. That album is, you know, that's been done. And so it's like I had that completed. And then I was listening to some of my old music last week. And I realized like, oh, I've been saying in my songs, Inspire God's People, because mm-hmm. that was already identified as my purpose. Mm-hmm. And so it, was, it all kind of started as identifying that as my purpose. And then by the time that continued to build, it turned into a show Mm -hmm. versus me having to go and specifically seek God about a show. Not saying that once once the show came about, I didn't seek God about it. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is we need to be daily speaking to the Lord, not just going to him. All right. Here's what I'm ultimately trying to say. Don't just try to create something. You haven't talked to God. Right. You have no relationship. <laughs> and then just try to go and be like, hey, God, should, should I do this show? Right. And we try to talk to God about these singular things mm-hmm. and leave him out of the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what I mean. But he wants us to do it in all of our ways. In other words, your lifestyle. Have yes. a lifestyle. It, you know how normal it was for Adam to talk to God in the cool of the day? It was normal and it was expected. So much so that when Adam sinned, God knew this there was something out of whack something wasn't right so I, I like what you said like like you can't we we're, we don't just jump in this thing and we only seek god when we want something or when we need something right we are in a constant mindset of seeking god and i, I just found this scripture as you were talking first john chapter 5 verses uh 14 and 15 it says and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, yep. he hears us. How do we know we're asking according to his will unless we're in his will? And unless in his word. He's directing all of our ways. Yes. And so that, man, let me tell you why that's so amazing. Because one of the things that always kind of throws me off, and always has really, is when you hear someone give God glory, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? But for doing something ungodly. You see mm-hmm. this a lot in Hollywood oh, and with different yeah. artists. Mm-hmm. It's like your whole album was about <laughs> fornication, <laughs> adultery, and killing people, right. and all type of drugs. And then you think that this is literally the will of God, like God blessing you. And so wow. that has always been intriguing to me why someone psychologically would think like that. But I think it's because we have conditioned ourselves as a society to, first of all, credit all good things in our moral judgment on earth as good, meaning money and worldly success. We credit all those things to God. And so then we and we say, OK, yeah, I pray that I got this record deal. So mm-hmm. it must be God. But that's a singular situation that you're trying to bring to God. But because you have no other understanding of his word and you're not operating and living in his purpose, then you find yourself lost in creating all of this content and things that doing all these ungodly things, yet receiving an award or accepting an award and saying, I thank God for making a way for me this, this and this. And Mm -hmm. I, I think we just have to be careful about the application 
of these biblical principles and make sure that the application of it is actually aligning with his word. Amen. Wow. You know what? I'm no longer aligned with you, my brother. <laughs> it's time for you to go. You know, I had to go anyway because my wife wanted me to put a shelf together. Well, I hope she enjoys her table. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by J. Will Music, the Christian rapper, the different rapper. With over 60 songs released since 2011, J. Will has a music portfolio that will speak to your soul and challenge you to leave behind all things old while accepting all things new. He has a genuine soulful flow and a biblical point of view that makes his music one of a kind. You can find it on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and anywhere else where music is sold. Just search J-W-I-L M-U-S-I-C or visit jwillmusic.com. Want to check out some of his music videos? Okay, cool. Visit J-Will Music on YouTube by searching J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. Now, I'm tired of, tired of talking like this. I'm tired, tired of talking like this. Uh, that was kind of fun, though. Like, doing this little mini commercial about me as me, acting like y'all don't know I'm me and I don't know I'm me. It was cool to me, man. Well, anyway, check out my music. I love, love, love sharing my art. And I have a new album that I'm going to be dropping soon entitled Inspire God's People. I just got to wait until the time is right. Like, it's got to be perfect timing for this one. In the meantime, jwillmusic.com. man so what in the world is up with fast food restaurants that don't want to give you ketchup with your fries without you asking i don't understand that to me ketchup and french fries is kind of like twins you know what i'm saying i expect when i see one to see the other one they go together i go to the restaurant the other day now you got to understand this about me i literally for the most part do not eat fast food so the popular places like McDonald's, Burger King, those type of places. I literally haven't gone to those places in like seven years. Last year, twice, I went to McDonald's for their fries. It's something about McDonald's fries. I don't know what they got in them things, but every now and then, I'll just go and grab a small fry, okay? Don't judge me. So my wife made these homemade jalapeno burgers. They taste so good, right? So I started eating the first burger, and I'm like, you know what? Mmm. I need the McDonald's fries for this one. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I, I need that combination. I can't mess with McDonald's hamburgers, but I'm going to go ahead and keep trusting they fries at least a little bit. Nobody email me and tell me anything that's wrong with they fries. I don't want to know. I only eat the things like once a year. So I hop in the whip, uh, uh, you know, hit the McDonald's a few miles away. It's a McDonald's like on every corner in the world. So no matter where you live at, you live close to a McDonald's. We get it. So your boy hits the drive through I go through like, uh, let me get the large fry. Uh, yeah, might as well throw a McFlurry on there too. Ain't had one of them in a long time. Cool, don't judge me. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. So I get to the window where I'm ready to pick up my food and I see how she got the McFlurry. Bam, okay, that came with a spoon. I appreciate you putting the spoon 
in here for me um, because again, these things are twins. I get the McFlurry. I expect that bad boy to come with a spoon. Cool. She gives me the fries, right? And I look her in her eyes and I don't know y'all. I had this feeling like, you know what? I can't trust home girl. You know what I'm saying? Like something ain't right with her. She give me the bag. I was like, can I get some ketchup with my fries? She's like, oh, sure. And then gave me about 25 packets of ketchup. I didn't understand that whole transaction. So you went from not giving me any ketchup at all, when I should have at least maybe got like three or four ketchups, to then where I call you out on the carpet and ask for the ketchup, now you hit me off with 20 packs of ketchup. I'm like, I literally looked at her like, what are you doing? But I took the ketchup, you know, kept it in a little drawer at home. We'll use it next time we have some homemade burgers and I need to go get some fries because guess what? There's going to come a time where you go get them fries and forget to ask for ketchup and you're going to get all the way home and realize they didn't give you the ketchup and you out of ketchup at the house. So now you have to go to the grocery store to get ketchup just because the little fast food restaurant want to cut some corners and save some costs on something. Now my whole night is inconvenienced because you didn't give me ketchup for my fries. Y'all are literally putting people marriages in jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? It's husbands that are going for late night runs for their wives. They supposed to get a vanilla shake, but your shake machine down. Then they supposed to get a 10 piece nugget and some barbecue sauce and some ranch. But you are treating sauce like it's bricks of gold. You at the window barely want to give my man the sauce. You want to charge extra quarter, 35 cent, because he want to mix up the sauces. Well, he got 10 nuggets. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to just put them all in one. It's like, hey, man, what you want? You want barbecue? You want the Listen, man, if I don't go home with some barbecue sauce and some ranch and maybe even one honey mustard for the last nugget in the box that she just want to switch it up on, my wife is going to leave me, bro, because I don't have the right stuff. You got to stop cutting corners. My point, cutting corners causes issues for other people. Look, I've worked at McDonald's twice in my life. I understand, you know, what's happening back there when they telling you, hey, man, we got to cut back on ketchup. You know what I'm saying? Blah, blah, blah. I'm looking like ketchup. You ain't paying me that much. I'm giving everybody ketchup, bro. I don't care. Order a fish sandwich. You get ketchup from me. Look, you can basically come to my window and order a beverage and I'm hitting you off with the ketchup, fam. I'm just joking. I never did that. But it does bother me when people cut corners, especially when I'm spending money. And this happens all the time. You pull up to the window at some places and they close at 11 o'clock. It's 1055. You want something? Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. We ain't making smoothies right now. Like, hold on, bro. How you ain't making smoothies? Like, I feel like I should be able to order anything on the menu up until you close. You know what I'm saying? Or you ever walk up to the door of a store and you go to pull it like in a little shopping plaza and you looking at people, they cutting off lights and they like giving you the signal like, no, it's a wrap, bro. We close. We close. I'm looking like, no, you not closed. It's 8.59. You close at 9 o'clock. I want to come in here and browse. <laughs> and you know what? I got to be honest. I have worked in so many different type of stores and retail environments and the food industry and stuff. And I used to hate when customers come in at the last minute. Why? Because I was ready to go home. So I understand why people are cutting corners. But you know the real reason? Even for myself, when I was cutting corners back in the day, 
it was because I never owned anything at the time. I didn't know what it was like to be an entrepreneur or the CEO or, you know, the head of some company that needs to make that last $50 if this customer's going to come in here in the last minute or if that customer's going to buy a $4 milkshake or something like that, like that goes to the bottom line. And these are healthy ways that we need to consider the bottom line by not cutting corners versus skimping on the customers to get the extra bottom line. You feel what I'm saying? When you own something, you have all that pressure and you get that understanding of what every sale means. That's why I'm a fan of being an entrepreneur at some point in your life, even if it's something super simple, a lemonade stand. I don't know. I think people should be teaching their kids this stuff because when you own something, like it means something to you. I can even remember being a renter in an apartment. The level of responsibility between renting and owning is way different. Man, if I break a doorknob in an apartment that I'm renting, it's like, oh, we got the 24-hour maintenance line. It's like, oh, I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Doo, doo, doo. Hey, y'all, what up, bro? Yeah, I just broke this uh, doorknob. Can you come handle that? Um, uh, Is that an emergency? Oh, yeah, it's an emergency right now. I can't get out the bathroom because I broke the doorknob. And I'm not even going to try because I'm a renter. You know what I'm saying? Renters have a whole different level of effort when stuff go wrong. Furnace go out? Oh, no problem. I'll call the landlord because there is no real responsibility when you're a renter. All you have to do is pay your rent. You don't go above and beyond and try to do much of anything else because why? It's not yours. And that's cool. But if you don't know what it's like to own something, then you'll have a renter's mentality throughout every part of your life. See, the problem with cutting corners is because it leaks into other areas. And you don't want to have a renter's mentality at work. Some people out here acting like they renting their kids. Others are renting their spouse. You know what I'm saying? You have a renter's mentality where you're not fully committed to anything. Everything is just like, oh, hey, I did my part. I'm not going above and beyond. I don't really care how long it lasts. My lease is only for 12 months. As long as I get through that part of the process, I get to walk away, get my security deposit back, and I go on about my merry way. That's a renter's mentality. But when you are an owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO mentality is, that's my doorknob. That's my kitchen sink. That's my furnace. So if it breaks, like I own it all, I have to pay the huge price for that. I'm telling you, owning things changed my life. When I started having things that I actually owned that were actually mine and my responsibility, it changed how I think through things because I saw that as an owner, you kind of get everything that comes with the house. You know, you get everything in the building that you own or the car that you own. The engine is yours. Everything is yours. It's not a lease. You don't get to take it back. And some of us have such a renter's mentality with our life. We treat everything like we get to take it back. We treat everything like, hey, I'm not going above and beyond because it ain't mine. Hey, I know you got fries, but I'm not giving you ketchup. Why? Because I have a renter's mentality. I don't own those fries. It don't hurt me. A renter's mentality is very selfish when you think about it. It only considers your end of the bargain. 
It doesn't consider the owner and what they have to deal with or what the owner loses out if you close their business five minutes early. Remember, it's two sides to every coin. So even if you aren't the person that owns the business or the home or the car or whatever it may be metaphorically, you know, know that someone does own it and that you have a job to do and that we shouldn't be out here cutting corners. And look, I understand that sometimes when you get challenging information or new information or, you know, just something different, that it could be a struggle, a struggle to understand how do I apply this? A struggle in the fact that you might try to start doing right. It's kind of like a diet and then you fail sometimes and you got to pick yourself back up. And that's not easy for us. You know what I mean? I know it hasn't always been easy for me. This life has been a journey. It's been a process. But one thing that I thank God for is always picking me up when I fall, always being there for me. Even when I struggle, even when you struggle, the Lord is always here for us, even when it doesn't feel like it. One thing that I've learned is that my emotions does not dictate God's existence. And so he's still there even when I'm like tripping. And that's the beauty of him and his love and everything that he's done for us. And I'm just praying for anybody out there who's struggling. And I'm asking Lavelle, come on back in, man, and pray for us through our struggles, through our ups and downs, that we realize that the Lord is still our Savior. Father, we come to you knowing that to some this may be odd, but we thank you for everything that we've been through. Lord, we thank you for the good times, but we also thank you for the bad times that we were able to learn in what we were going through. Lord, we thank you for sustaining us through the struggle. And we thank you so much for allowing us to come out of the struggle intact. And we just pray, God, that whatever it is, the struggle that different people are going through, that you are working it out for our good. That your purpose and your will, your plan is being accomplished in us, even as we go through. Lord, help us to not stop knowing that in the end, we will have victory. Thank you, Lord, for everything that we've learned and what we went through, God. Help us to hold on to your promise, God, knowing you're going to bring us through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all struggle in this life, but we have come this far by faith, and we ain't turning back now. It's time for the J-Will Music Song of the Day. It's entitled Death to Laziness from my album Sound Doctrine. Let's go. a door on the hinges turn it in my bed like a door on hinges monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday don't you get it i do the same thing every day preacher screaming death to lazy but i still got time to kill instead of perfecting my rhyming skills i smoke i drink i barely think but i think i'm deep when i say something like jack and jill with up a hill but i'm too lazy to fetch a pill the water 
But I ain't got no job, so is it odd that I keep my mind on something I ain't got? But I got God, and the future man say that I was gonna be a millionaire if I give him all the money that I got. So yes, I pay my tithes, but if I play it like the lottery, it's gotta be hypocrisy. Faith without works is the dead. If they comprehend the words that I just said, I slow it down so it'll make sense. Riddle me that, riddle me this. You're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, but your faith is unemployed. You're praying for those chips ahoy, but you refuse to milk the cow to get the milk to dip the cookie in the position that you put me in. It's so uncomfortable, but I have learned that miracles don't happen. In my comfort zone So I'm no longer a lazy boy I got off of that lazy boy Lazy leads to slavery Proverbs 12, 24 The remote no longer controls me I'm on a remote island with cold beats Right in my heart out with thoughts of my babies Top of my lungs Steps to lazy beat my alarm i got up prayed and read my bible and it wasn't even hard i like to stay to myself keep away from the crowd i study on my solo mind now i'm a pro with my verbs you can name it claim it so you want to shame explain using your mouth more than shame for using your brain less but you can make some change with some changes first stop complaining get up and do something see the only reason that you feeling drained is you don't work out so when you out of work outside they pull that workout you like if this don't work out i'm out but then when it works out for your good somehow you understand your greatest was that day you got a job and kill lazy lazy the song is entitled Death to Laziness by J. Will Music. You can find that on my album entitled Sound Doctrine. It's available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, and anywhere else where music is sold. Also on jermainwilson.bandcamp.com.